Hello out there to whoever's listening, uh, if anyone's listening. This is Pastor Tim Dooner of Valley Forge Presbyterian Church, and I welcome you to the second sermon from our fall-winter 2019 sermon series on our journey as a congregation uh, of becoming a Matthew 25 church. Uh, this sermon is entitled, A New Season, Faithful and Wise Servants. I invite you now to enjoy and to become centered by a time of quiet and stillness as we prepare to think about this together. Okay, what I share for your consideration and imagination today is in response to some teachings from Jesus as recorded in the 24th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. As Jesus came out of the temple and was going away, his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Then he asked them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I tell you. Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom his master has put in charge of his household, to give the other servants their allowance of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The masters of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know. He will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are grateful for how God uses the scripture to shape and inspire and to call us. So in the last episode last sermon, uh, we named our presence upon the threshold of a new season of life together by hearing the prophet Isaiah's call to the people of God who were exiled away from where they used to be and what they used to know. Do not consider the former things. I'm doing a new thing. I will make a way through this wilderness. Do not fear, for I have called you by name and you are mine. And we hear Jesus affirm that our core identity as the people of God is not what or where we have been in the past, but how all the scriptures and structures and norms of faith can be summed up in two commands. Love God and love the neighbor as the self. And we can do this anywhere, anytime, no matter the circumstances. We have all that we need to do that here and now. 
In this episode, in this sermon, we consider another parable of Jesus that builds upon this affirmation that our future faithfulness and our future fruitfulness are not going to be found in our ability to replicate our past, but in our ability to follow God's guidance from this day forward in loving and serving God's will of peace and our neighbors most in need. This is an apocalyptic parable of the servants. Uh, And the apocalyptic genre was very popular uh, at the time of Christ and one that he used often. In order to understand this and other apocalyptic parables of Jesus, which we will consider in future episodes, it helps to better understand the point and tools of this genre. An apocalyptic writing is not the same as prophecy, but they still uh, they serve the same end, which is to reorient the people so that they are more faithful to God's will. It's to bring about repentance. That's the goal. And this distinction can be heard as Jesus gives sermons and tells parables. Prophecy is a more direct and literal tool. It's more focused on the present. With prophecy, like the the words of Isaiah that we considered last week, the, the, the message, the last episode, the message is essentially, here's the truth about what is going on right now and how you need to repent, reorient, reconsider your attitudes and actions so that you are more faithful. Literal and direct. Apocalyptic words are more metaphorical and hypothetical. They're more focused in the future. With apocalyptic writing, like this parable of Jesus, the message message is essentially, here's a story about how the future is going to be if you keep your present attitudes and actions. If you fail to change your ways, this is how your story is going to end. Apocalyptic tales use a hypothetical end of the story in order to point out the danger of the present trajectory. Again, that's not the same as prophecy. The point is not, this is how the story will literally end. Rather, the point is, this is what the hypothetical end says about the direction of your life right now. It's not prediction or foretelling. It's commentary on the present. Uh, Author Michael Crichton wrote Apocalyptic Commentary on the Dangers of Biological Warfare in Andromeda Strain and the Dangers of Playing God by Disrupting the Natural Rhythms of Creation in Jurassic Park. Maybe you've seen some apocalyptic movies like Terminator, which uh, is commentary on the dangers of artificial intelligence, or Pixar movie WALL-E, which is commentary on excessive consumption and lack of care for creation. Or in the 80s, there was a TV movie called The Day After, uh, which was apocalyptic commentary on the real danger of nuclear proliferation. In the apocalyptic genre, the point is what the hypothetical end says about the norms and patterns of the present. In this part of Matthew's gospel, we hear Jesus talking about what is to happen in the future rather than directly addressing the present. And so he's not being prophetic or foretelling. He's being apocalyptic. Last week, we heard him being prophetic and literal. Here and now, the heartbeat of your faithfulness in life is love of God and neighbor. And if you aren't doing that, you need to repent and reorient. But in these words, we hear him being apocalyptic. Now, before his apocalyptic parable about these servants, he first makes a few apocalyptic claims. In the end, All the stones of this temple are going to be thrown down. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. And he says, the Son of Man will come at an unexpected hour, so be ready. 
With these claims, um, Jesus is using apocalyptic future events as commentary on the present state or trajectory of the people. First, in the end, all the stones of this temple are going to be thrown down. Now, the temple at his time was a primary physical representation of the whole sacrifice-based religious system. The common contemporary definition of religion or faithfulness was people taking sacrifices to the temple for the priests to offer to God in order to earn favor, forgiveness, and help from God. And with these apocalyptic words of the stones being thrown down, Jesus is claiming that this is not true religion or faithfulness, and that he intends to help dismantle it and replace it with true faithfulness. Next, he said, heaven and earth will pass away. The common understanding at that time was that God resided in the heavens and that people resided on the earth and that there was this separation between the two, that God was not with the people, but would come down from the heavens to be only in the Holy of Holies with the select few priests. But with these apocalyptic words, Jesus is claiming that this idea is not true and that he would help to initiate the new and true understanding that heaven and earth can overlap, that God is with the people and that God is accessible uh, by and to every person and, and not just a select few. Finally, the, the son, he says, the Son of Man will come at an unexpected hour, so be ready. He said this to answer the question that his disciples asked. Well, when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? These questions reveal that the disciples didn't, didn't really understand that Jesus was being apocalyptic and not prophetic. They, they thought he was speaking literally, that he would literally and physically knock down the walls of the temple, that he would literally and physically usher in a new reality at a certain time, that one moment it would be the world as they knew it, and the next moment it would magically be different. Um, maybe we tend to think the same way as the disciples did. Maybe we tend to get focused on our religious rituals that take place in our temples. Maybe we think that this is what God demands from us in order to earn God's favor or help or forgiveness. Maybe we tend to think that God lives somewhere else in some heavenly realm that's beyond us. Or maybe we think that God lives just in our church buildings in a way that's unique or different from our other buildings or places. Maybe we tend to think that our circumstances will only change someday and magically whether that's a magical transition into the next chapter of eternity upon our death or God's magical intervention, bringing a new era in an instant while we are still here. <clears throat> but these apocalyptic words from Jesus seek to reorient us now so that these are no longer our understandings. We're invited to allow Jesus to crumble our misguided efforts to earn God's favor through our religious sacrifices and rituals. We're invited to open our eyes to the presence of God around us and within us, knowing that we don't encounter God only someday when we go somewhere else, but can, can open to God's guidance in the here and now. We're invited to know that the Son of Man, God's chosen one leading us into God's real and true end of the kingdom as God intends on earth in which all are connected in peace and in which all flourish. That can come with the kingdom invitation uh, anytime. And we must be ready. Jesus uses an apocalyptic parable to help understand what it means to reorient toward a new end and thus be faithful. The wise servants represent those who are faithful. 
whose life in the present puts them on the right trajectory. Their hypothetical future of blessing and responsibility demonstrates that their lives in the present are true and faithful, and the wicked servants are the opposite. Their hypothetical future of weeping and gnashing of teeth is a commentary on the lack of faithfulness in the present, that the trajectory of their lives in the present is leading them astray. When we, when we hear this apocalyptic parable of Jesus, we're invited to reorient our lives so that we are like the wise servants and not the wicked. The wise servants are those who are found by the master when the master arrives without notice to be busy at work according to the master's will and instructions, orienting their lives for the master's sake and around the pursuit of the master's ends. The wicked servants are those who are found by the master to be ignoring the master's instructions and will and ends, and are instead orienting their lives around their own desires and ends. I think of sneaking upstairs after having given our children the instruction to clean up their rooms. When I sneak up and peek in, will I discover them doing what they've been asked to do? Or will I find them assuming that I won't check in for a while yet, and thus they're doing what they want instead? If we assume that we somehow have earned God's eternal favor by saying a particular prayer or by the amount of time that we've given or by the amount of times we've come to a worship service, and if we assume that God only shows up here in a church building during our lives here or only shows up at the end of our lives, and if we assume that the end of our story is about God whisking us away to another place, then when we make all those assumptions, we're going to be tempted to assume also that God is not really part of our everyday living. And if we think that's true, then we're going to feel free to seek our own ends during our days. If our lives are just about earning a heavenly reward someday and seeking our own ends today, then we're not the faithful ones. But if we assume that we don't gather as the church or go to a church building in order to earn anything from God, but instead to defer in worship to God's authority over our lives, to place God in that place uh, of authority. If we assume that God is around and with us every place and every moment, if, if we assume that the end of the story is about the world being restored to a place of peace and everyone flourishing by the ways that we participate in faithfulness uh, according to God's direction and will, then we're going to understand that God is, is a part of our everyday living. We're going to spend our days seeking God's chosen end rather than our own. Our lives will not be about just earning a heavenly reward someday, but about seeking heavenly ends today. And when we do, we'll be the faithful ones. The future of the church, whether it's in King of Prussia or somewhere else in America or anywhere else in the world. That future is not going to be found in our ability to perpetuate systems that are built upon the idea of going to temples in order to earn God's favor and forgiveness. Jesus promised to throw all of those stones to the ground. Our future is not going to be found in our ability to market and distribute tickets that take people from earth to heaven someday. Jesus has promised to remove the differentiation between the two realms 
and to guide us into a heavenly kingdom on earth. Because God's will is not to whisk us away from this place and let it decay, but to work through us to repair and restore God's beloved creation. Our future is not going to be found in our preparation to meet Jesus someday. Jesus has promised to come to us at any and every moment in order to guide us into the kingdom. As um, German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote while inspiring resistance to Nazi philosophy and destruction with Christ's call to be faithful servants, he said, being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Our future is going to be found in our ability to live as wise and faithful servants, to busy ourselves doing the work of God in the midst of our everyday living, the same work of God that Jesus did in the midst of his days, the work of loving, helping, healing, restoring, reconciling, inspiring peace, the work of throwing down the stones of systems and structures that trick people into thinking that God demands something from them in order to earn God's love and favor. The work of nurturing the kingdom of heaven here in our midst. The work of restoring this world to everything God meant for it to be so that all of God's beloved creation flourishes. Our future is to be found in courageously and actively doing God's will. Jesus shows up at every moment. He may show up. And when he, by his Spirit, sneaks up on us in love, what will he discover? May he discover a wise and faithful church. Amen, and may God bless you in your reflection.